Good morning. My name is Brock Hanna. I'm a part of the 412 leadership team here at Marion Methodist. Um, today's scripture comes from Acts 2, 1 through 21, and it says this, brothers and sisters. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you pray with me? Father, we just ask that your will be done today. No matter what circumstances we have coming in today, Lord, we just ask that um, you might be able to turn all of us to you today. Father, we thank you for cons consistently um, chasing after us. No matter what we do, no matter what we seek out, Father, um, you know that your way is the best, and we, we, we ask that you might turn our faces and our minds towards you. Help us to be more like Jesus and like, less like ourselves, and allow us to fully commit to you. Father, we ask that, um, that Mike's word would be um, a reflection of, of your word, and, and um, what he speaks of is what you want us to hear and not what we want to hear, Father. We thank you for your endless love, and we worship you. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen.
Well, as you see, we have a lot to be proud of, from the little babies we baptized to those that we've baptized and now send out. So praise the Lord for these families and, and, and these children. Uh, we're glad you're here at worship, whether you're here in person or uh, worshiping with us online. Quick couple of tags before I go right into the preaching of the word and get you to your day. Um, first, I know we are having the barbecue right now, and they told me right before, I, there's a handful if you, didn't, if you didn't buy your tickets ahead of time, there's going to be a handful of lunches that might be available. We encourage you to stay. And then earlier this week, we posted this, and I want you to just take a look at the screens. When we were in about third grade, our swim lesson instructor decided that we were all good enough swimmers that we could jump off the high dive if we wanted to at the Marine Pool. So she marched us over there, and we stood next to the ladder, and she said, Now, remember, you don't have to go until you're ready, until you choose to go. That's how we feel about masks at Marion Methodist right now. If you want to continue wearing a mask, please feel welcome to. I know that I'm going to keep some of mine just in case, of course, the virus stems back up or uh, if cold and flu season gets uh, to a certain height next year. And I'm certain that I'll always wear one when I travel on airplanes. And I promise you this, on that Sunday when the Dallas Cowboys play in the Super Bowl, I'll bring my Cowboys mask out just to celebrate. Masking now at Marion Methodist is completely up to you. When you choose you're ready to set your mask aside, please feel free to do so. One thing I guarantee you, masked or unmasked, my promise is your choice will be welcome as you are at Marion Methodist. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I agree with the old guy. <laughs> and last, before we dive right into the scriptures, um, there is a horse trough baptism, full immersion baptism coming up on June 20th. If you'd like to reaffirm your baptism by going all the way under the waters, or if you've never been baptized and want to be baptized in that way, uh, go on the church app and sign up there. So the, script, the sermon today, it's all scriptures today. So if you have never heard a scriptural-based sermon, let this be your first. If you're here a lot, if you're worship with us on a lot, online a lot, um, here's the next. Who is this man? this Jesus. He is the human expression of the Trinitarian God. He's the Son of God the Father who makes this clear by affirming Jesus as his Son at the River Jordan following his baptism, saying it's time for your ministry. In Mark chapter 1, you see this, and a voice came from heaven, you are my Son with whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. He affirms it there, and then he makes this declaration to all of humanity that we looked over last week in Mark chapter 9. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Not only is he the Son of the Father, but he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's born because of the action of God. Certainly those of you that are Christian know these stories. Matthew chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to, Jer to marry Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit and said in a different way Luke, in, in Luke the angel speaking to Mary says the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the, one, the, Holy, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God you see Jesus is the expression of the Trinitarian God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit He is the window to who God is through Jesus you see God and in Jesus you see the mirror of what a human should live like so he's both a window and a mirror to God 
and how we should live the godly life. Who is this man? He's the human expression of the Trinitarian God who promises us a future, and everyone that's ever lived wants a future. But the future we're promised is a future based on the intentions of our God. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, an advocate, to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. You see, who is this man? He is the one that offers us the continual presence, not absence. When we say God with us, we're not talking about the man upstairs who, who might be looking down on us, watching us, and, and maybe judging us or thinking over what we're doing or maybe even trying to find a way to trick us in our ways. God with us is a God that's present. He's with us, around us, in us, always here. Not only that, if you read the scriptures, he's the Alpha and the Omega. In Genesis 1, it says these words, in the beginning God, that's Alpha, A being the Alpha being the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and he's also the Omega. If you look at the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them, and, they will, and he will be their God. God promises us the strength of continual help that empowers us. Now, there'd be no way for most of you to know that when I lived in Colorado, we got pretty good at skiing when we were much younger. And one day I went to Winter Park skiing, which is outside of uh, Denver, and at Winter Park then... It was the home of the National Blind Skiing Alliance. You say, blind skiing? That's got to be a little bit terrifying, doesn't it? But here's the thing. There were also men and women that were trained to be blind skier guides. And what they did was they would ski about five yards in front of the blind skier, and they would be their eyes. And they would shout certain commands, left, hard left, soft left, stop. The skier themselves obviously couldn't see a thing, but as long as they followed their guide, as long as they, uh, they saw through them and their continual help, they were fine. Now, I tell you that story to remind you that we don't see the Lord often. We know, we believe that the Lord is here in this room. We believe that the Lord is home with all of those that are participating in worship online. We believe that the Lord is even with those who forgot to come to church and are on a lake today. But we can't see him. And yet his continual presence, he is giving us continual guidance, empowering our living. Who is this man? He gives us a future based on providing the church what it needs to reach the world for God, which is what our responsibility is. Acts chapter 2 that Brock read a few moments ago says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on my people. The purpose of the church is tied to the presence of God. The purpose of the church is to equip Christians to reach a lost and broken world with God's salvation message. Now, why all that talk? Why those first few minutes of setup to this? It's important to understand what today is. On the church calendar, today is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a big deal for us. In Judaism, it's the, the day Pentecost was already there. It's called the Festival of Weeks. It's 50 days after the Passover. So 50 days, in Christian terms, after the day Jesus had his last supper with his disciples. 
It's also known as a celebration of the grain in Judaism, which is to say they, give time, they take time to thank God for the food. And Jerusalem would have been packed on the day of the Pentecost. The 60,000 people that, listen to this, those of you that know farms, the 60,000 people that lived within the 320-acre holy city would have probably been tripled during the day of the festival. People in the relative everywhere. Now, for Christians... Pentecost is the birthday of the church. I remember when one of our girls was little, we were out having uh, a birthday lunch. Her sister was at school. We were having a birthday lunch for her, uh, obviously on her birthday. And of course, her mom was telling her about how she was born on this day so long ago. And it just stopped her. She was like four years old. She says, wait, are you telling my birthday is on the same day I was born? (laughs) We're like, yes, honey. And this is the birthday of the church. So let me tell you, because we know those of you that have given birth love to tell the birth story. So let me tell you the story of the birth of the church. It starts out like this. The disciples are all together, and there's this sound. It is the sound of a deafening wind, and it's making a ruckus in all of Jerusalem. And then there are these sights that accompany the sounds. But the sights are the fire of the Holy Spirit. And now we're not talking about wildfire that burns everything up This is the fire that's coming down. And not only is it coming down, but it's a specific and directed fire that has intended recipients. And those recipients are seen with a tongue of fire lapping away at their head. And as they receive that tongue of fire, they are empowered to speak all the languages of the world. And the church comes out. Now, it's important to understand this because most of the disciples are fairly uneducated people. They're, they're, they're carpenters, they're, they're fishermen. And they even say in the scripture, aren't these Galileans? Now, I don't put intelligence with this, but what they're saying is they have a certain dialect, like we would say if we met someone, aren't they from Georgia? Because the way they talk, you know? And he's saying, aren't these Galileans? Yet we all hear them speaking our language and our words. And they're out telling the wonders of God in each specific language in the earth community. And there's only two, res- two responses to this in the Bible. The first one is, they're drunk. They're drunk. Now, I know some of you all fairly well. And I know one or two of the rest of you have been with a drunk person, right? Normally a pastor would say amen to something like that, but don't, okay? Now, most, most drunk people I've ever been with are not too cogent in their language. They're usually just like, I love you, man, Right? They usually don't get up and get a big uh, articulate speech. And you know this about them. They usually don't do anything great. You've never had one of your friends call you in the morning and say, man, I got so wasted last night. I went and built a habitat home. (laughs) Right? That's not how it goes. Usually they're doing something crazy. So one response to all these languages being heard is the people in Jerusalem saying, ah, they're wasted. But the other is Peter stands up and said, nope, they're not wasted. What you're seeing is God doing something big for your sake. Now, remember the audience. The Jews knew of the Holy Spirit. They knew the first few lines of their scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit is involved in everything in creation. Everything about creation. 
And they know more. They know that how humanity came to, came to be comes in the very next page, Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed. He breathed the breath of life into a man's nostrils. And the man became a living being. Now you guys saw these, these six seniors that we celebrate at this service. You know, I gotta be, gotta be honest with you. You know, you saw they were all handsome and good looking and all that kind of stuff. Don't you think there's been a times where their moms or dads have said, hey, don't get so close to that guy, girl. They're breathing into you a little bit too much. I'm not just talking about COVID. Because you have to be pretty close to somebody to breathe into them, don't you? You have to be really close to them. And the Spirit of God is so close to humanity that it can breathe life into us. There's this special intimate reality, this intimate relationship that's going on. And then the Jews are so understanding of the Spirit of God. They know this story, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley of dry bones. Imagine this whole property being covered with dry bones. All this 30 acres, dry bones. This is what Ezekiel's looking at. And what God is saying is, I bring to these dry bones, the dry bones of people's spirits, the dry bones of the world around you, the dry bones of all the people you know, the emotional dry bones and all that, I bring them the, the possibility of new life, of fresh life in the midst of what seems to be an impossible situation. And he says to Ezekiel, preach to the bones. And Ezekiel starts preaching, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the bones start jumping around like Halloween skeletons, and they come together, and then sinews go on them, and then, and then tendons, and then flesh, and they become like human beings. And then God says, and the Jews would know this, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit the whole world lives. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have hope and promise in the midst of difficult situations. And so when we ask the question about Jesus, who is this man? He is the one who inaugurates the church to bring hope to the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, when his disciples are all together, it says this, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They didn't know how to speak the other languages. They didn't go to, 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 to uh, you know, Hebrew 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 in, in, at Linmar or Marin, wherever they went to school. He took them beyond their abilities. The disciples were probably saying, me, God, I can't. And Jesus says, you can and you will. The Spirit says you can and you will. The Father says you can and you will. Because God doesn't really look for a bunch of qualified people, which fits us well. God qualifies who he calls by the power of his Holy Spirit. Whatever you need in the situation you're in, God will give you if you call upon the name of the Lord. He'll give you right words. I mean, I had this just this week, and I've had this a hundred times if I've had it once, where somebody was talking to me and said, you know, I was up against this situation with one of my workmates, and I got to tell you, Pastor Mike, I did not have the right words, and so I just said, God, help me, and guess what? He gave them to me, because the person I was talking to said, thank you so much, you've, you've blessed me in such ways. He didn't go into the situation to bless him, he just knew he needed to give a blessing. But what God says, your lips, my words, bring hope to the world. And God gives us a faithful attitude that we can trust. Because unlike 
people that call my cell phone every 15 minutes tell me I need a new car warranty. That I should say, man. You getting that? What, what is that about? And they like, one time I looked down and was like, I'm calling myself. I should have known ahead I needed a new car warranty. <laughs> you know, God dials no wrong numbers. We can trust that the tongue of fire, even the spiritual tongue of fire that he puts on us is not a mistake. And then watch this. The tongues of fire come down. The men are speaking. They're told that they're drunk. And then Peter, this happens. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Please, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. See, what what the Holy Spirit does is it takes us beyond our fears. It takes us beyond our apprehensions. It takes us all, all beyond our own personal insecurities. I mean, here's Peter. A month and a half earlier, he wouldn't even, even admit that he knew Jesus. A month and a half earlier, he ran from the crowd, and now he is in the very same city, at the very same place that they killed him, saying, listen to me, these people aren't drunk, they are speaking the wonders of God. His personal insecurities were dropped down because the presence of God came into him. And you know that he was given the right timing, just like we are, and the right boldness. You have had, said so many times in your life, there is something rumbling in the people's lives around you. You say, I need to do this. I need to say this. I need to call them. And I'm telling you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, do it now. Do it then. When that comes in your mind, it's not by accident. It's God planting it in there. And when God plants those things in your hearts, he gives you the spirit and the power to do what's, what's needed. Peter knew that this moment was a once-in-a-lifetime moment. It came, was given to him by the Lord, and there would not be another. another. God gives you moments Every day. I'm talking really fast, so I hope you're living in, listening fast. I got the barbecue guys out there saying. <laughs> God's going to give you moments. He's going to give you specific moments with specific people. And frankly, there may not be another. We have to walk into them. And God's spirit is unstoppable. To Peter, God said, go, and he did. And if you read the rest of this chapter, and I hope you do either on, uh, on the U version or in your own Bible, what follows this is the first Christian sermon. And that first Christian sermon is Peter indicting, indicting the people of Israel. And so this indictment comes to us. We have to consider, do I love my people enough to accept God's bold invitation to speak to them? to speak to them of the wonders and glory of God that flows out of what God's put in me. You don't have to become a preacher. You don't have to rehearse a sermon like we work on these things up here. You just have to be you and let God run through you. And last, in Acts 2, 21, the last sentence is perfect. And everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. God gives hope to every single person. Who doesn't want to be saved from failure? Who doesn't want to be saved from being alone for the rest of their life? This is the right message. Friends, when, when you look at how God wants you to share his gospel, don't try to improve it. Don't try to make it better. Don't be cute. You don't have to tell a bunch of jokes and stories. Just share Jesus. This is what's powerfully kept the church effectively alive for over 2,000 years. And I will give you this warning. 
When you pray to God for the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, the beautiful thing about the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit is it is the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. The scary thing about praying for the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit is it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. And fire burns stuff up. It'll, it'll burn up our sin if we want it to. It will refine our personalities. It'll purify us for new life. But it is the fire of God and it will do these things. So don't keep it to yourself. Those of us that love to talk, love to share news. More than once we say, hey, did you hear about? And then fill in the blank. Or we'll say to one of our friends, I need to tell you about this or that. So I want to tell you this. And then I'll say amen and you can go. You can put the pause button and do something else. People of God, we are exactly who Christ needs in his church. Exactly. We're exactly his team. The church was born by the Holy Spirit to share the simple good news. And you know what the simple good news is? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And in the Holy Spirit... He didn't rise to go. <laughs> he rose to stay. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. Invite everyone. Ignore no one. Include all those from every kind of walk of life. And so I simply say <laughs> at the end, let's go. Let's go. Now sometimes when we come in here, we say, oh, I'm going to the 1015 service. Well, in reality, we've come to 1015 worship. And now we go to serve. So in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who embodies himself in humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, your beloved, go serve him. Amen. See you next time.